Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Almost Famous, the podcast where I explore the subject of fame by talking to people who've experienced it themselves and ask them how it has affected their own journey as well as the lives of those around them. My guest today is actor, writer, impressionist and comedian John Thompson. Arguably best known for his roles in The Far Show and Cold Feet, John began his career writing and performing alongside Steve Coogan, with the two winning the Perrier Award together at the Edinburgh Fringe in the early 90s. John's acting and writing has led to work in a veritable who's who of the best comedy of the past few decades, including Spitting Image, Knowing Me, Knowing You with Alan Partridge, 24-Hour Party People, Men Behaving Badly, and many more. He's also been on Coronation Street, Waterloo Road, Celebrity Masterchef, Pointless Celebrities, and Celebrity Juice. John is so prolific that I haven't even had time to go into his theatre and radio work, so I'd like to give a huge, almost famous welcome to John Thompson. How are you, John? I'm very well, thank you, Barnaby. Thanks for having me on. No problem at all. Uh, I ask all my guests, what did I miss out in your intro? What did I fuck up? Um, I don't think you did, really, but this is the, you're right. I do have quite a body of work behind me, so I've been working 32 years now. Started when I was 18, so I'm 51 now. Might even be 33, actually. Um, it's not a maths podcast. No, thank news. God, because I'm useless. Um, I'm more of a wordsmith, actually. Um, so, yeah, uh, 32 years. I've accumulated quite a, uh, as Americans call it, a resume. Um, but, I've yeah, I've got quite about a four-page CV, so it's what I'm quite proud of. Uh, it's pr- mainly quality. Funnily enough, you and I, well, you're with Troika, and I used to be with Troika as well. So I thought it might be worth uh, going into for the audience who aren't uh, in the world that you are. Like, how important is uh, a theatrical agent, someone to do that side of the job for you? That's a very good question. I'll give you an example. Well, my old agent, and I won't name names, um, I went to Los Angeles in 2012 just to have a go. You know what I heard? Pilot season, you know, it was kind of a thing you did. So I packed up my suitcase with a, a letter flat in um, West Hollywood, uh, near the Grove, West 3rd Street it is. It's, near, 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 it's like an adult, it's, it's a very strange kind of shopping mall opposite. I was staying in the Palazzo Apartments and opposite is this this very strange kind of, very, I could, a very middle-class Cheshire Oaks with a trolley bus that goes like 50 feet and goes ding, ding, and you get off. And it's like a, a novelty anyway. And that was opposite me. And uh, I was all set and all excited and I got there. And uh, I met up with Bradley Walsh, who was doing the same thing as me. And it was a nightmare. It was horrific. And I would never... I, I, I've subsequently worked with Catherine Tate, who said to me uh, regarding Los Angeles, LA, Hollywood, it only go if you're invited. Because she did the American office, you see. 
But I, if I'd known that, <laughs> if I'd known that then, oh my God, what it would have saved me so much time and money. So at the time, it, I felt that my agent had sent me on a bit of a fool's errand. And the one that cost you money as well? Or? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I just felt that I wasn't being represented properly. I was seeing... I was seeing agents in the middle of pilot season for general meetings, and they're not—they're not interested. They're trying to cast all these shows, you know, get these clients, get their own clients, get these clients they want in or new people. And there's a massive influx at that time of year uh, of English and Australians and, and all sorts going for trying to get pilots. And I just—I didn't really know what I was doing. And um, but I had so much downtime when I wasn't riding bikes around. I mean, push bikes around Marina Del Rey with Bradley Walsh. That's a name dropping off, isn't it? Um, I took the time to scientifically find myself another agent using IMDB. And I found out what was the smallest one, but with the most, that was working well with good clients. You know, I didn't want to get lost like a little fish in a big pond. And uh, I found Troika. And they've been very good to me ever since I joined in November 2012 believe yeah they were very they were very good to me as well yeah they rebooted my career and it was and, and i've not looked back but they took me on i have to say um without cold feet's um comeback so they were very good to do that and they obviously they, they it was it was win-win for them because they got the commission off that so yeah they took a punt on me because my i was kind of like oh god does nobody love me anymore it's very hard it's a hard time for an actor if you if you kind of not get in the, the work you know and auditions i'm not i'm not very good at uh i'm, I'm uh self-tapes i'm not i don't I, I try my hardest but i've never kind of i've never got a job from a self-tape i've had a recall once uh but i know it can be done because um it's a fact because um oh what's his name? andrew lincoln had got the walking dead on his iphone oh wow so it just goes to show yes so it can be done, but in the old days, Barnaby, what you used to do was you'd turn up and they'd say, do you mind reading? And I'd go, no, not at all. And they'd give it to me and I'd sight read it and they'd read in and I wouldn't have to learn it. And I used to get every job I did because that's one of my skills. That's why I do so many voiceovers. So sight reading's an absolute, you know, I love to sight read uh, stuff, but they don't do it anymore. So you have to learn it, make an approximation of maybe the costume, accent all that oh it's so hard now and so many actors there's so many actors out there it's just crazy you know there's just like you've got to try it's that catch 22 maintain profile but without without profile how can you maintain it you know it's um it's it, it's if you get the profile you get the work but if, if you don't get the work how are you going to get the profile so, John, obviously, these are the isolation episodes of Almost Famous. Uh, how has the pandemic been for you? Has it really affected your work? Uh, you've mentioned to me off air that you've you've made a little studio in your house. Mm. OK, so the pandemic, I uh, I did have an idea it was going to get serious. So I kind of like invested in a bit of equipment and then stripped out a broom cupboard in my basement, which is seven foot by three and a half foot. Got some foam from an upholsterer. I went to a fabric shop nearby to get some felt to cover the table so there's no kind of, you know, clunks and clanks. And I asked them, do they do foam? And they said no. So they gave me a, a guy who upholsters sofas and he gave me some engineer's foam, which is like a grey with a bit of sparkle in it. And I stuck that to the walls, one to the door, one behind me and four on the wall to deaden the room. Uh, I got a decent mic. And uh, and then 
but the thing that's cost me is the software. So I've had to get Pro Tools and I've had to get Source Connect. So I'm learning on the job, but Pro Tools, you go to university for that. <laughs> you're you're a sound engineer now, as well as an actor. Well, I'm learning on the on the job, but thank, thankfully, work-wise, I, every, I lost everything in a day. I went to Houston to do Scream Street, which is a CBBC animation series about monsters. Yeah. And that was that was that was safe. That job was safe. I was also going to do a game show that I was going to be a guest on, but the the team captain had pulled out, and I had been given his job. So the money went up massively Brilliant. because I was doing all six eps. So I had that. I had a drama uh, with Daisy May Cooper, who that won't happen for ages because she's pregnant. That's Witchfinder. That was with Baby Cow. I had that another voice job. Um, so I, like basically, I got on the train to Houston full of beans <laughs> grinning and I got to the taxi rank and went oh and lost all the work and quite a lot of money anyway so I kind of thought well what can I do well I can do voiceovers anyway so I've been able to do uh police interceptors that I do on channel five yeah from home so that I do also do a special so ultimate police interceptors is on a Tuesday and Wednesday is just normal police interceptors, which is now in the fair county of Nottinghamshire. We've moved it. They move it round a bit. Right. So that's going to be, that's a bit tricky to shoot, obviously, because of uh, of, uh, of the pandemic. But as, as far as I'm concerned, I mean, it was, I've been absolutely fine with it because I could see my daughter, I'm divorced. So, but I can see my daughters and we, we were doing an as and when kind of thing before they kind of sort of, sort of homeschooling was tough, but it, we, we managed, you know. So we kind of like, there's like, there were specific access times, but I saw my daughters as and when, and it was miles better. I saw much more of them. It was great. The weather was great. And I was counting my blessings. But then I thought, I kind of like had a plan, a master plan, that by the way to keep my sanity, polish my halo, and get good karma <laughs> would be to accept every charity request that was uh, I was approached with. Right. Well, week 10, I just kind of... I caved in. <laughs> John, is that to suggest that you don't always accept every charity approach? I couldn't couldn't keep up. I just because <laughs> one begats another and they just go, Well, John Thompson will do it. He'll do anything he will. And <laughs> You're the charity guy. Yeah. And I would do I just do you know, I've done so many different kind of things, messages and but you know, I don't mind, but that it just came on top and it got too much. And another thing about it is if you're doing something about paid work where they go, you do the job, they go, thank you very much, and they pay you. There's something about favours. There's something about favours for people where you do a really good job. It's a favour out of the goodness of your heart. You do it and they go, it wasn't quite right. Could you do it again? <laughs> and it's just soul destroying. Look, it, could you? It wasn't really what we're looking for. Could you do it again, please? And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh. Anyway, so week 10, I just thought... Do you think that's an element of when you're being paid to do something, you don't hear you don't hear with the same kind of reaction in your body, um, can you do that again? Whereas when you're doing it for free, it's more like, you know, hmm, why should I? Quite possibly. That's very astute of you. Maybe that's it. You might have hit the nail on the head. That's exactly how I'd react. You kind of think, well, I'm doing you a favour, don't... Do you know what I mean? This is... Oh, anyway, so that happened. And uh, I realised I wasn't doing enough exercise. Um, I was uh, One thing that I have said on Instagram, I did a post. One thing that's got me through this is I don't drink. And I haven't drunk alcohol for 14 years this Christmas. And it's been a breeze, really. And I know for a fact that, that we, in this country, we don't need any encouragement. I mean, really. And um, 
it's been it worries me because the the Brits were they're deluded because they make a bit of a joke about it. And I know I know for a fact that one we don't need much encouragement. Two for me, it's a second pandemic is alcoholism really, and always and 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 thirdly, it's just like this excitement for the reopening of the pubs. Well, haven't you had enough at home? Do you know what I mean? And then you've got to socially distance at the pub, and it's not like what's so so special about it. And also, when you are drunk, you'll lose your facilities, so your distancing and and your hygiene will go out the window. I just don't think it's. I don't really think it's time yet i think there's other things should be prioritized really over pubs yes i think you're probably right i think because you've been quite open um i've seen in a lot of my research about your alcoholism before i wonder if if it's worth asking if the pandemic had come around whilst you were still drinking you know how do you think you would have coped with that badly i assume yeah badly terribly it's with, with, with a lot of people with a drink problem it's any any excuse they say mad sad bad or glad and it's just like that classic thing. You go, oh, I've had a really good day at work. Let's, uh, should we go for a cheeky beer? Or, God, I've had a rotten day. The boss has been foul to me. I need a drink. Or, do you know what I mean? God, I'm really angry. I need a drink. It's just like any excuse to have a drink. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but the thing is, though, alcohols are depressive. And I, I, th- I think that, that this whole situation, if you really let yourself think deeply about it, you can really go down the rabbit hole, especially with alcohol. So, I mean, I mean, I'm not preaching. I just, I, I just kind of, I, I, I felt I had to do a bit of something on, on social media because there are so many kind of people who are in the limelight that that feel they have a, not so much a need but a right to, post videos that are really, like Matt Lucas took the Mickey out of it, where there's li- literally nothing really happening, you know, but because they're famous they they kind of think well they want people want to watch and there is an element of that in this day and age you know it's kind of like and it promotes their brand i mean that's the other thing is you know now you have you have to be posting regularly about what you're doing as a famous person even because and i've discussed this before on this podcast even because commissioners now are really going a lot of the time on on the followings of of actors and and presenters yeah i've heard this i've heard that you might nail a job over someone else uh, on followers but the problem is Barnaby, I, I, I was taken to the cleaners by the British tabloid press. So subsequently, I'm quite a private person. So I'll happily go on Snapchat, make a fil- find a filter I love, because I kind of they instantly appeal to me, and I go, "That's the voice for that." So I've been doing this Paul McCartney joke thing called the Treatles, which is basically a bowl head cut. I love Snapchat because you can just you can without the use of makeups or wig, makeup or wigs. You could just create a character instantly and do a video, and it's just a brilliant thing, and 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 a voice changer. So, I started messing around with filters and that. But the thing is, though, I, I couldn't, I didn't know whether should I sustain this? Should I be doing a daily post? Should this be like the Archers? Should this be like a soap opera? Should you know what I mean? I kind of did it when I when I did it, and it was kind of that suited me. But the idea of working social media. Um, it just, you know what I mean? If if I don't, I I I I do it for to entertain. I don't do it for free trainers. No, uh, well, I've I've previously had work producing um, digital channels, so I know for a fact that if you uh, wanted to grow an audience, then you would have to do it at least once a day. In fact, probably numerous times a day to grow yep. grow an audience, and that way you would then, yeah, potentially get into the realm of being offered money to do things on Snapchat or TikTok or, or YouTube or whatever. Of course. 
Well, it's like, you know, Leslie Jordan. Did you see that? The guy, the gay American guy, 65. I didn't see it, no. He's the, he's a Southern, he's, he talks, he goes, she, how y'all doing, y'all? He's got this high voice and he kind of talks like that. Anyway, he's a, he's a character actor from America. He's became like a lockdown phenomenon. <laughs> but then he was going, they're all talking about monetizing and I had to look it up. <laughs> He didn't know what it was, and it, they were all. Everyone was on his hot on his heels because he suddenly like grew four million followers on Instagram. Yeah, but he just wanted to have a laugh. He didn't want to monetize it. You know what I mean? It's kind of like you know. It, don't get me wrong. If someone gives me a freebie, I, I'll, I'll, t- I'll take it. But I don't go search. I don't go looking for it. I'm glad you don't. But I think it's a generational thing because in reality, I think if you Some were people... starting your acting career now as opposed to 30 years ago, then you would have to be doing that realistically. Yes, I agree. You're one of my best mates, Chris Gascoigne, he plays Peter Barlow in Coronation Street. He said the younger crowd are sat in silence in the green room working social media for freebies. That's it. That's the That's the second job. Yeah. Well, um, no, well, to be straight, for some of them, it's their first job, really. I think, um, I don't know whether they're really bothered about the, the acting. No, it's true. It's a different world. I'm going to... Um, it is a different I'm going to bring us round to the uh, subject matter of this podcast. I asked this of all my guests, John Thompson. Mm. Are you famous? Do you think you're famous? Um, to a degree, yes, um, I would say so. I, I think that some of the things that I've done are um, quite... Um, edgy really they're not full mainstream and i like the fact that i have a specific audience as opposed to a huge mainstream audience and with that comes a lovely degree of anonymity so um cold feet's a big show yes but it's not for everybody i mean it's not like a soap so I mean we've done we do, we've done very well with that. So I mean it's funny what you start when I'm 51 now. I, I kind of like you kind of know how you what degree of fame you are by your monikers that you are introduced by other people. And I do get uh, national treasure now, which is lovely. <laughs> um, that you know, and or uh, the legend that is. So I wouldn't I, you know I don't think I'm out of turn to say that I'm that that, I, that I'm famous with those kind of introduction and they're not introductions you insist on people introducing you as imagine that can you imagine i have a list i have a list of that i can imagine i can imagine some people doing that yes i'm afraid not you for sure i i, I yeah just try any of these these the, here's the list uh yes enigmatic the the aussie king of kings i think michael jackson he michael jackson coined the king of pop he insisted on people introducing him as that really the king of pop i don't think elvis ever said he was the king but i don't think he was ever well, he might have been the king of rock and roll. I don't was he? He must have been introduced as that, I suppose. Yeah, and oh. and then Paul Paul Lintz, the footballer, insisted on people calling him the governor for sure. Oh, really? Hmm. It's like the Duke, isn't it? David Dickinson, you know, anti, um, the uh, the uh, the antiques man. He uh, <laughs> he insists on being called the Duke. <laughs> the orange antiques man. That isn't. I mean, yes. you are an impressionist. I was going to say what a brilliant impression that was, but obviously that's your job. Well, yeah, of course. Yes, I love the fact he is the the Duke Dickinson. Yeah, that's great. That. Um, and you mentioned earlier uh, about wanting to entertain, and clearly that's something you've wanted to do from when you were very young. But would you say you've always wanted to be famous, or famous just come as a byproduct of that? It's a byproduct. It's a it's a it's a it's a side thing. So it's nice. I mean, I don't really get uh, any haters or, or trolls because I try to maintain a uh, 
a, a very kind of affable, you know, kind of easy. I'm probably like the pericoma of comedy. <laughs> um, I don't really, I don't go for the jugular as far as opinions go. I, I mean, I had to leave. I, I'm on Twitter. And when I joined Twitter, it was a lovely place. And it suddenly yeah. become, someone described it as shouting into the abyss. Yeah. And I think that's a very good description of it. And I just found I haven't worked Twitter. So what I've done is the lazy man's version of Instagram post slide button, you know, and post mm -hmm. to to Twitter. And the Twitter uh, the Twitter people are onto that because the people don't really look. No one bothers looking at me anymore <laughs> because I kind of like Instagram. And the reason that what, what it took me ages to kind of get into Instagram, I joined years ago. And just didn't do anything with it. And I just thought, I've got to do something, you know. Because it's a great promotional tool for work. I've got to find one that I like. Facebook's your mate. It's private. Yeah. And it's a bit kind of old now. I don't I don't really go on there. I just find it a bit kind of embarrassing. I'm quite youthful in my aspect. Uh, you know, my, the way I kind of look out at, at life. I don't... I look on there and go, my God, my mates are getting so old. So set in the ways. They're all turning into their parents. I just think... Oh, you know what I mean? And it's the odd one that really like cracks me up with like daft stuff um, on there that just keeps me keeps me going. I think that I'm one of those people that only stays on Facebook because of the number of birthday greetings they get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good for the good for the birthday ego. It's so good for that. Yeah, I get I get the feeling that um, the answer to this is no. But do you think there's any difference between who you were before you became famous slash in the public eye and then who you've been since. Was there any kind of noticeable change of ego or noticeable change of how you acted towards other people, for instance? No, 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 um, not, not, no. Um, and that's one thing that I always say to younger actors is uh, please don't. I think the Americans get a bad deal because I think there's, there are some people in the, in the business that, that, that suffer at the hands of the management. Um, you know the entourage so it, here we just have an agent who we're on the phone to like every other day but I think in America you have a publicist well I mean you start with three don't you you have a manager, an agent and uh, a lawyer and then I mean and then, then you can get a publicist and then, then, then you get a, you can have um, what is it someone pertaining to be you on social media you know that works it for you personal assistant I mean, it's fast. I mean, your payroll in America, no wonder they pay more because you've got, you've got, you've so many people to pay. But for me, I've always said, be true to your, be it's that expression, be true to thyself. Yeah, you've got to be really because it's that, you'd be nice to the people on the way up because you don't think you're going to meet on the way down. Well, I'd like to think that I'll continue to go on the way up and still continue to be nice to people. And it, 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 it comes back to me. There's a few autobiographies where I've get a mention and people have gone, oh, he was so nice. And um, I'm not going to change that. And but I do feel that some of the apocryphal stories about uh, but a diva behaviour sometimes are uh, created through the management uh, because of their dip. You know, they have kind of like there's more pop that I think. I think that's more. I don't know. I mean, you hear things, but I, I just I've not really been party to much of that as a uh, as a British actor. I've not seen that, thankfully. I mean, I don't know what, what I'd do if I saw it, you know, someone throwing a latte in someone's face. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, And there weren't even occasions, just to kind of bring these things together that we were talking about earlier, there weren't even occasions when you, you know, you talked about when you were um, uh, drinking and stuff like that. There weren't occasions where alcohol led you to behave in a different way that you then regretted. Not really. I was never, I wasn't like... Just a happy drunk. 
I was just, yeah, I didn't want a fighter. I didn't get barred from anywhere. I just kind of like, you know, was a bit, I just did, I'll, I'll sum it up. The, the, the best way of describing it was uh, when I enjoyed it, I couldn't control it. When I controlled it, I couldn't, I didn't enjoy it. And it yeah. was just, I never wanted the party to stop because I was, I kind of get to a point where it's, oh my God, I'm having such a great time. And it was like, come on, everyone, where are we going next? And they're going, oh, I'm getting a taxi. And I'd be like, no, come on. And I'd be like, oh, John, back off. And it was, uh, it got like that. It was just like, just keep, let's keep it going. Let's keep it going. Maintain it. Maintain. And, you yeah. know, you just, it's unsustainable, uh, that kind of thing. The only thing I will say is, I I mean, there are, there are certain standards, rites of passage when you've worked in the business for 32 years. So if I, but you know what I do? I suffer in silence. Uh, say you get a hotel uh, when you're working away and you go in and it's yeah. a single bed. Uh, it's like a Jimmy Cricket joke. He said, the room is so small, I put my key in the door and I broke a window. <laughs> I, 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 it, the, the room is absolutely tiny. It's a single bed with one sheet on it. And uh, in the bathroom is a tiny bar of, uh, what nice tablet of buttermilk soap and a plastic cup. Yeah. And you go, oh dear, what's happened? Um, I, but do you know when I, I get those kind of things, I, I just I just take the pain because I don't want a reputation as a diva. Right. right. Yeah. 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 But sometimes it's horrific. You know that some of the places are like I mean, I, but then someone else will ring up and go, "What's your room like?" And I'll go, "It's really bad." And they'll go, "So's mine." Shall we? And then there's a kind of quora that 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 complain. It's okay. Yeah, of course. Because, yeah, because I mean, Tracy Emin said the squeakiest wheel gets the most oil, and I don't agree with that. I don't, I don't. Um, you know, the, 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 I wouldn't want a reputation as a. Yeah, as in the bigger the the bigger the diva you are, the the better you get. You better people. Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't you. hate to have a reputation of. Oh God, here he comes. Now what? What's the problem? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. So, yeah, I will suffer. Quite, I'll suffer in silence rather than... <laughs> you know, you've said it's important to you that people respect you and like you, so, of course, that's how you're going to behave. Um, of course, yeah. Uh, do you remember the moment where you thought this is going to happen to me so you wanted to be in comedy you wanted to be an entertainer and suddenly there's like a moment where you're like oh i'm about to get to where i finally wanted to be is that a visceral memory for you the, well i think when me and steve started working together on the uh the i mean the year before 1991 we were taking the show with a character show around the uk in a golf uh we had to have a hatchback because it, it was this is like this dates it because we we needed that for the lectern and the slide projector screen that we put in the thing so it had to be a hatchback that folded with seats that folded down and only two of us could fit in it because in the back was costumes props and a slideshow uh for the characters and uh, we, we worked very hard on that show and, and um when we got to edinburgh you know we, we we sensibly enlisted the help of a director at the time, Patrick Marber, who was great because he could see outside the box. You know, it's, it's very hard to direct yourself. And um, he kind of like honed it and tuned it. And lo and behold, we won the Perry Award. So that was the that was a kind of a, a real step up. Well, me and Steve went to drama school together. But um, that was the, winning the Perry Award, obviously, was, was, was a point where I went, oh, my God, this is amazing. You know, it's a, and that was a pivotal moment career-wise and, and in experience. So I kind of felt, you know, that was that. Um, and then I just continued to work. Fast Show was a great success. I mean, I was in Men Behaving Badly, and that's hard to join such a successful show yeah. that had already been established. So yeah. I, I joined as Ken, the landlord, but Les, the landlord, had already been in it for years. Uh, right. And you, the original one, it, was, it, it wasn't Martin Clunes, it was Harry Enfield was the original. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I've actually seen some of those episodes on online. They're still up, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that was scary, but I was welcomed with open arms and everybody, the whole cast were absolutely lovely. Absolutely lovely to me. Um, so that was great. Fast show, obviously. But then Cold Feet came along. We did the pie and I thought it's pretty good, this. And then we didn't know. We had, we'd struck gold with that show. And that's when the fame really catapulted. Yeah. I mean, that was major. But I, but the thing is, though, you don't know what to do. You, you have no idea how to cope. You know, it's like... It's that degree of fame that, in, only in the UK though, you know. But it was kind of a bit odd to to uh, to encounter that nothing prepares you for it really. Yeah. And at first, it's quite a novelty, and still is, you know. Because like, like I say, I, I'm liked. So, so no, most people who come up to me are absolutely lovely and say, "Oh, well, thank you for making me laugh, and thanks for doing this and that." You know, thank you, and they're very, very respectful and grateful to me. But uh, and, but the, any, if any uh, if I've ever encountered any difficulty through notoriety or fame, it's always been drunks. So mm. that's another plus to not drinking is because I don't go to pubs, I don't get any shit. Yeah. So that's great. But you do get it, and people want to fight you because they can say, "Well, I punched so and so in the face." Of course. To say I hit a celebrity, you know, just to say it was like a, you know a badge of honour. Which isn't very nice, really. But you've never had any of that. Uh, yeah, I've had a bit of that in the past. Well, I hate football. And uh, I was punched by a City fan because Pete is a United fan. And I don't even like football. So that really, that hurt, really. That really hurt. 
because I, I hate football. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Um, I, I did want to talk more about cold feet because I should say, I feel like I've grown up with cold feet. I'm, I'm not afraid to say, like, I think a lot of people almost feel like it's not cool to say you loved cold feet. But I was at uni when I watched the whole box sets of cold feet when I was at university. And then since it's come back on, I've really loved it. I, so I wanted to ask a bit more about it. What, how soon into making cold feet did it become clear that it was going to be absolutely huge? It's a very good question because the times were very different then. So mobiles, uh, we started it in um, 97. And I remember everyone had like a basic Nokia phone. Uh, there was no, there was no, no social media. Uh, it was purely word of mouth or uh, reviews, you know, in the papers or online. Uh, it was that was the way you knew that your show was any good, but now it's instant. You know straight away whether you've got a turkey on your hands or you've got a winner. So at the time it was a kind of a slow burn. You know things going oh yeah this is getting momentum. This is uh, oh and and then um, clearly they work uh, mathematically at the TV companies with viewing figures, uh, and that was the kind of thing when you find out you're getting. Uh, I don't know how many was it. It was like ten million on a Sunday night, I think, at the beginning, something like something like that. It was. It, we were doing very well. The great thing about the show is it appeals to both. It's a. It's not. It's not for women, and it's not for men. It's for. It's very good for couples, families. It's kind of because it gets a bit rude sometimes, you know. But I mean, I've had kids go, "Yeah, I love you in cold feet," and I go, "What are you doing watching it?" It's like, "Where's my mate John? He's in Game of Thrones," and they, they go, "Yeah, we love you in that," and he goes, "You shouldn't be watching that." <laughs> it's like like se- yeah. seven year olds. Oh, I love Game of Thrones, mate. Brilliant. Which parents are letting their seven-year-olds watch Game of Thrones? It's, you know, every three minutes there's... I know, it's unbelievable. But, um, yeah, Cold Feet's a bit mild. It's, I think it's like a PG-13, isn't it? Um, but, um, yeah, it was kind of like... I didn't I didn't do this job to become famous. I did the job because it's, I'm so grateful that I do a job I love. So I'm, I'm very... I count my blessings daily that I get paid to do something I love. And sometimes I genuinely forget, oh, I got paid for that. And it was like, you know, like I'll do a game show or something and I'll have a brilliant time on it, show off my prowess of general knowledge, win a load of money for charity and get an appearance fee. And I'll go, oh God, yeah, I got paid as well. Do you know what I mean? It's so like amazing. Um, but some people aren't as fortunate as that. Um, it, you know, it's it's tough. But I mean, I kind of like, I did I did stick to, I stuck with it and, and, and I knew because I've got quite a big skill set, I just thought, well, you know, it'd be it'd be a shame not just to let let it go. Um, and I just kind of just stuck with it. Even like twenty twelve, thirteen, they were kind of oh god, that was that, that twenty twelve was the year I went to LA, and I just thought I was finished. And then I kind of brought it back. But I think it's in it's in with anyone's grasp. I think if you have got talent to 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 come back, you know. Yeah, and you you know you've said that you you never chased fame but is that I I just wonder whether it's human nature when you've had that level of success that on the bit where you talked about you know say 2012 after that when you thought you know maybe you were on a bit of a downhill whether you would then look at some of your peers who maybe were on the up on the uphill and thought I want a piece of that or is it just to you all about your own success and your own security and stability and stuff that's a good question sometimes I see films and go why is he in this (laughs) that's human nature I think it must be for an actor I think yeah Especially when they're not very good. It's like, there's, there's, there's certain actors you go, oh, God, I'm glad he's in it. He's brilliant. You know what I mean? But there are other ones and you go... Yeah, works both ways. You just go, 
it's like Keanu. He's a he's a lovely person, but I just it's just not cut out for certain roles. I just like in Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula. I just thought, what's what's this? It's like Devil's Advocate. I spoke to uh, uh, I did a film called Inkheart. It was supposed to be a trilogy. It was like it was like a um, fantasy film. I did the first one. And I was talking to Helen Mirren about uh, that film, and she was saying that uh, Al Pacino was on less money than Keanu Reeves. And I went, that's impossible. She went, no, because he's Keanu's profile is higher because Al's not done anything for a few years. And I went, but that doesn't make any sense to me because he's like, he's Al Pacino. And she said, yeah, and he wouldn't do it for the money they were offering. So Keanu Reeves took some of his fee and gave it to Al Pacino to make to ensure he had the role in the film. And I thought that was very good. But it's strange. It's a very strange thing, the profile system, where, you know, you kind of bums on seats. No matter, It doesn't matter what kind of skill set you've got. It doesn't matter how good an actor you are, if you kind of like... And, and, and Keanu's very handsome, you see. But he's not what you call a character actor. Yeah, and it goes back to what we were saying about the modern version of this being your social media followers. It's just a, it's a new, it's a new way of doing it, but it's not dissimilar in terms of profile. Exactly. Well, it's like the my daughters, my daughters, my, uh, Olivia's seventeen and Sophia's ten. They love TikTok, right? And yeah. I can't, my mate described of looking at it, looking at other people's TikToks as drinking. Looking at TikTok was drinking an exquisite poison (laughs) (laughs) and i think such a fantastic analogy um but she said they said do it and i did two jerky boys which i used to adore which are two american new yorkers two new yorkers who wind people up pretending to be characters right they're quite niche not everyone's heard of them so i've done two on there that's all i've done yeah and um, i loved doing it and my daughters went but no one wants to watch that and i went but it's not for them. It's for me. And they don't understand. I went, I did it for fun. And they went, yeah, but you've not hardly got any followers and they're not, not many likes. And and I went, I don't care. And they don't get that. Yeah. But also, surely that's just, do- that's just kids being like, dad, don't, don't try and get involved don't in what I'm into. Me. Yeah, stop embarrassing me, dad. Exactly. But I've done stuff with them. I've done the odd kind of dance thing, you know, just to keep the peace. And are they, are your kids keen to get into the entertainment business yeah. too? They are, but I've got to remember that my parents never told me to get a proper job. Unfortunately, my dad wasn't in a trade, so he wasn't like a, a an undertaker or a, a or a joiner. Yeah, where he go, well, one day, son, all this will be yours. It, it it wasn't. It was never that way. So I just said they knew that I. I, I mean, I did Fagin at primary school. I did Joseph and Judas. Joseph in the technical dream cut at. Um, Secondary Judas in, in Jesus Christ Superstar. Yeah. You can tell it's Catholic, can't you? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and then uh, then I did Amdram in Preston, and then they knew it. They knew that it was something I worked at that, that that it was genuine. They wanted to do it, so they never told me to get a proper job, and I stuck it out. And I, you know, I made them very proud. And of course, they stuck by me. And then, after all the tabloid hell and all that, it's just it's it, they were they stuck by me, and I, you know, and I respect and love them for that because. It was hard. It was hard because it was a hurt them, you know, because my private life was just kind of, that's the worst part of fame is nothing prepares you for the intrusion. I mean, it's better now. It is better, Mm. but it's still not great. I mean, nothing prepares you for the, it's like those poor uh, people that 
you know, the the the, the people that go on uh, X Factor or Britain's yeah. Got Talent, yeah. soon as soon as they've 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 hit the golden buzzer, Sunday they go mother drug addict, and it's like, it, please, really, you know what I mean? And another thing they love to do, the papers in this country, is build you up, 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 and then just knock you down. Yeah. I mean, look at Paul Gascoigne. He was just like, I, don't, I can't believe he's still alive. I know. Poor bloke. Yeah, he, I was, mean. he was my hero growing up as well. I mean, the, the, reason, really? the reason this podcast exists is because, you know, my stepdad was famous, and so I have experience of that that tabloid stuff from when I was a kid, and I think that, yeah. that kind of leads me to have this kind of grotty feeling anytime the word fame comes up or uh, telling people that I had fame in my family was always a difficult thing for me so I wanted to do something to try and own that um, you yeah. mentioned that you mentioned a couple of times um, your treatment at the hands of the tabloids can you be any more specific in terms of what what they did and how bad it was I know you were you were you part of the phone hacking scandal uh, yeah I was I was hacked by um, uh, well the thing is though when we went when it all came out and we owe Hugh Grant a great debt of thanks for kind of an. He, he's the one that kind of like ex, got the exposition on this, really. Mm. Um, he gave someone, a, a, a journalist, someone's car broke down. He gave him a, ha- a hand and he, he, he started chatting to him and he recorded him. So that's why Hugh's part of Hacked Off with Steve Coogan's part of that as well. That's right. So Levinson and all that kind of thing, that's all come as a result of this. So. Uh, yeah, I was hacked by uh, the News of the World and um, uh, also the Mirror. But then I, I didn't. I, people said, "Stop!" This, these people used to say to me, "Stop wearing your heart on your sleeve." You know, you, you're too open about it. Things you say, you talk about, and everything. And, and I'm just thinking, but I haven't said this publicly. I've not said any. And it was because my phone was hacked. Right. I, I was kind of going, and also I was paranoid that I was being followed, and people were like recording me and everything. Well, it turned out that not only was my phone being hacked, I was actually being, uh, they'd enlisted two private detectives to follow me right. as well. So it was it was awful because I thought I was going mad because I said, I'm sure I'm being followed and the stuff going in the paper that I don't know how they're getting hold of this information. And then I found out why. But it was that kind of, it was an awful feeling to think that you're actually going mad and you, is your paranoia real? Yeah. And did you only find, so, did you only find out why years and years later when it all got exposed, or or more close yeah. to the time? No, it was a year. Yeah, it was a long time ago. A long time. Uh, yeah, it was a long time um, uh, afterwards. Um, but I've kind of I've done I've I've been to court and settled and all that kind of thing. And signed an NDA. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we've well, had we've had a few guests yeah. on here who've who've kind of exa- told a similar story, but then said there's not a great deal more I can say because of the NDA signed, which I guess is a smart move by uh, by the, by yeah. the news of the world, etc. But they said leave it just yeah. But I just I'm boring now. I mean, you know that expression, the Chinese curse, may you live in interesting times, which is very <laughs> very pertinent at the moment. I, you know, because I used to think I think when I was a bit of a party boy, people go. Oh, the Chinese curse. May you live in interesting times. I went, it's not a curse. Sounds brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, far from it. So I, I'm, I, I mean, it, I'm quite boring, but that that kind of, de- I'm not really, I'm, you know, I'm fascinated, but, but that degree of bore, that kind of, when I say boring, I don't drink, don't do drugs, don't go out, you know, partying. Mm. The, for, for the newspapers, that's hell for them. Because they don't want to know. And was that the but case back peace. then? As well? was that the case back then as well? They were following you. They were hacking you, but they didn't really find that much anywhere. 
Well, the thing was, it was because I was in cold feet. It was like they were onto a, they were onto a winner with me because they were, I was a soft target. Because everyone went, what have you done wrong? And I went, I don't really know. And they went, is, I, said, I, I said, I think I drink too much. They went, is that it? And I go, yeah, I think so. And I just like, oh, anyway. Yeah. It just, it's just one of those things. It comes with the territory. You know what I mean? It comes with the territory. And you've got to be careful how much you buy into it as a, as far as privacy goes. I think the more you expose yourself, the more you lay yourself wide open. Also, Barnaby, you've got to remember, there wasn't really reality TV when I was out partying. So these kids in Geordie Shore oh my God, um, will gladly throw themselves under a bus weekly uh, and fall out of a nightclub and not care uh, because it's publicity. Yeah. Now... I didn't have those people. I didn't have any reality TV stars to take the fall for me. We were legit. <laughs> I was a I was I was a legitimate hellraiser with a career and talent. So yeah, there are a lot of people just can't quite happily disgrace themselves publicly, but it gets them in the, the magazines and it gets them on the cover of the of the red tops. Well, that's what that's basically they've been cast in a show where that is the minimum requirement of the show. So, yeah, they they choose to you know, they 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 are famous for that. So, of course, they're going to continue to do exactly. that. Exactly. Um I wanted to ask based on, you know, you've uh, you've called yourself a hellraiser, which is such a brilliant description. Do you think in terms of your drinking and hellraising and stuff, do you think fame had any influence on that or they would those vices have come to you anyway naturally? Oh, I think I was predisposed to to do it because I'm Irish. I'm a uh, I've done the ancestry swab, and I'm eighty three percent Irish. So I'm afraid if you're if you're listening and you're you're a Celt, which basically means Scottish, Irish, yeah. or Welsh, you you're fucked. <laughs> it's just honestly going way back. Uh, we are just a mess for just. And there's no such word as control. It's just. It's, it's a, yeah, it's just endemic, you know, in the, in the Celts. So um, what I wonder, for someone who's achieved so much, do you have career goals still that you want to achieve? Yes, I do. I think uh, I'd like to write a book uh, and I'd like to write a novel. Um, I'd like to uh, play drums on a, a decent album, probably. I've been playing 38 years now. I'm a professional drummer. I think my... my uh, uh, I think probably my my midlife crisis will, might be going on tour with a rock band or something. Uh, well, probably not rock, more like more jazz. Great. Because uh, I love jazz, actually. It's particularly fusion. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I, 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 there's a, Yeah, there's loads of things I want to do, you know. But I'm never bored. That's one thing that's got me through this pandemic. Someone said but only boring people get bored, and I think that's true, really. Because, like, today, I was, like, um, I was excited that I had to cut the lawn and I had to put some photos up of my kids um, I was just like you know I, I like to have a sense of purpose be useful you know Be people forget I think it's so easy to fall into that boredom thing I don't really if you think about today's resources that's, that, that are at your fingertips and what, what, what you know there's no excuse for boredom really and, uh, and I think um, my, my you know I, I'm kind of like I've got the kind of work ethic now uh, and not, not having a hangover and feeling rough as well you, you, it's great when they talk about brain fog lifting when you get sober it does go you know it at first it's weird at first because your short-term memory's not very good 
uh, adjusting. I just seemed to find when I stopped and uh, was kind of like doing a lot of whoever put my keys, that kind of, you know, like senior stuff. But then once it kind of really gets hold and you wake up and go, ah, you know, um, it's it, I can't recommend it enough, really. But the younger kids are good. They, they kind of think... I have to say that, that a lot of kids I know, younger kids, they're not really, they don't think it's that cool, you know. What, boozing? Yeah, no. Yeah, no, it's a, it's their statistics in terms of the millennials and then presumably uh, the generation after them, who I think are now called Zoomers, are a lot less interested in, in alcohol as a, as a social thing. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it, all this? I found out what I am. I'm Generation X, Yeah, which is weird. Because I think of Billy Idol, who who sang in Generation X. Yeah, I'm Generation X, and I, I, I I'm not a baby boomer, but but no one mentions no. Generation X. Everyone mentions the snowflakes and the millennials, and yeah, but um, the but they, they'll, they'll be the next. There will be the uh, the isolators, won't they? There'll be the the isolation generation. I guess so. And uh, you mentioned wanting to write a novel. Is uh, was is having this time during lockdown, was that a thing that maybe... Well, I started a synopsis. Two things I love are food, cooking and horror. And I started to write a, um, I started to write a, a, a story about a cannibalistic chef who is trying to achieve... Uh, well, I won't say too much because someone might nick my idea. But um, that, and I wrote a synopsis to that, so I might revisit that. Is it a celebrity? Is it a celebrity chef or just a chef? Yes, he. Uh, yes, he, he. Well, it's interesting, that isn't it? Because there's a, there are chefs that are cele- celebrated because they're good chefs, and then there are people who are famous already who can cook. It's like Master Chef. You don't leave there, celebrity Master Chef. You don't leave there, and and the and the amateurs. You don't leave there a chef. Yeah. You leave there a good I mean, cook. You know, you're the best cook. So- I may well be already treading on the ideas you've got in your synopsis, but the idea of a celebrity chef cooking on TV with people's uh, brains, I think, is a good one. Yeah. You, yes, yeah, you've got that, but no one knows. Exactly. And he's, the people are doing tastings. And... Except him and us reading it, or her, even. Yeah, you can see the movie already, can't you? Well, there you go. Uh, John, you've been brilliant. Before we go, I Thank always have some um, quickfire questions. Oh, I like these. Yeah, so uh, just kind of first things that come into your head, okay? Mm-hmm. All what's, right. uh, what's the most embarrassing thing that's happened to you because of fame? Oh, God, blimey. Yeah, people do oh. find this one difficult. Um, I tell you, remember, because I was being stalked by the, the, the paparazzi, um, I remember... Um, oh, I mean, this is just quick. There's probably worse than this, but I, I remember that they took pictures of me and my ex-wife with my wife holding up a towel uh, for me to change out of my wet trunks into my shorts on Bondi Beach when we filmed in, in in Australia, cold feet. So that's quite embarrassing. And I think you saw my bare ass as well. Now, if you're paying me to reveal my naked bottom, fair enough. But I think that was a bit of an invasion of privacy. So that was embarrassing, yes. Yes, that is invasion of privacy. Um, mm. I feel like that's something... Is that not? Could you sue for that or is it just not worth the hassle? Oh, do you know what? Probably, yeah. Back in the day, do you know what I mean? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, okay, next one. What's the best thing about being famous? I'll tell you. When you get a... You know when you miss the postman and you get a red card put through the door? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know when you go to the... To the post office, You yeah. know when you get get the parcel? Yeah. I don't have to show ID. 
<laughs> that is the least famous answer to that question ever. That's brilliant. I that's, love that. That's that's that is a proper perk. Yeah, that is a perk. And what's the worst thing about being famous? In uh, uh, probably, uh, I would say, um, inappropriate times for selfies, yeah. like mid dinner. Yeah. Can I have a selfie? Me and my sister will love you. Like you're literally tucking into your into your food. Yeah. That's not great. I mean, I will oblige because I don't want a reputation. It's just, you, you know, they get you on a bad day and you go, no. I always say, yeah, because I don't want someone to put the rumour around that I'm a horrible. And it can happen. Just you only need the one, don't you? And you go, oh, I, oh, I met him. He said, no, he's a twat. Yeah. And it's like, you just don't want that to happen. But yeah, people who don't. I've had people say, can I have a selfie? And then ask me who I am. Because <laughs> they've seen me have one with someone else. <laughs> yeah. Jesus and they've Christ. gone, can I have a picture? And I go, yeah, of course. And they go, who are you? And I remember one time I did that, and they said, who are you? And I went, Rolf Harris. It was funny at the time, <laughs> but not so funny now. I still find that funny, but I've got a dark sense of humour. I mean, what yeah. can I say? I still think that's funny. Good, good. Um, what is the worst lie that you've seen printed about you in the press? Or the biggest lie? I'll tell you one, though. So... Uh, I was, and paparazzi again uh, had uh, printed a story, it was in the Daily Star, that I'd been out all night and not come home. And I'd met my then wife at the gym. <laughs> and I turned up, like you do, you know, you've had a massive Sounds night out, weird, not yeah. been to bed. What's your first port of call? You, the gym where your wife is. Yeah, never once. No, that's the, so that's where that's your first port of call. So as soon as you've had, a, if you've not been home, you go to the gym where your wife's working out. Where they ensued, everyone stopped exercising. <laughs> where a huge row ensued, and they were seen throwing equipment at each other. Uh, which also they had a then then we got in the car park, and they took a long shot uh, on a zoom lens of me making my uh, ex-wife Sam laugh. And they put underneath, uh, but but she looks like it could have been, you know, it was um, ambiguous the way because a laugh can look like t uh, ang uh, sad. Yeah, yeah. And it went t Thompson um, reduces long suffering wife to tears yet again. Bloody hell! And it was a uh, I'd made a laugh. <laughs> and so, w what elements of that story were there any truth in at all? None. We've been to the pictures. So what? Just somebody. It's almost like. Somebody from a, who's the done cinema, a creative the, writing course. Yeah, the gym is that. next door. Yeah, it's oh, one of those multiplexes. Yeah, right. so Virgin at the time, it's Nuffield now. Virgin Cinemas next door to the yeah thing. Yeah. So they just kind of put two and two together and made twenty-seven. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. Brilliant, John. Final question. Knowing all yes. that it entails, and with the benefit of hindsight, would you give up yeah. fame if you had the chance, by which I mean you have your life exactly how you have it, your financial security, your stability, mm. your family, but no one would ever recognise you and know who you were? I'd be quite happy with that. Really? Oh, yeah. When I got a publicist, I went, do I have to do anything? And they went, yeah, you do. And I went, I'd rather not. And they went, well, John, no. They said, you're not the first person to say this. It's to, oh, usually people have had a tough time, and, and you know. And I went, do I have to do, you know, interviews? And they went, yeah. And I went, I don't want to, though. I mean, there are those that, you know, that their, 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 their work speaks for itself. 
Um, but you know, you have a mor- you, you do have a contractual obligation to promote your work. Right. But uh, so it's publicists of given... shows you've done, for instance. I just, yeah, yeah. I just, I, I just love the fact that I don't mind. No, I don't. Is that does that mean that I've had the I've had uh, or I've I mean, yeah, I suppose I, I can do without it because I've had plenty of it, you know, in the past. Yeah, but what it means, I mean, it, I mean, we're deconstructing the question here, but you would never have had it, but you'd have just, you'd have your, you know, so maybe you'd, you'd be a very, the applause you'd be and a laughter very, is enough. Maybe a good, I'll tell you what, maybe a good example is, yeah, maybe a good example is you'd have just been a really, really successful impressionist, but on the radio, so no one knows what you look like, no one knows who you are, but okay. you're obviously very, very talented and and financially it's a great successful. Question, that. It's like, does a tree make a sound when it falls? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, that's a great thing. It's quite uh, existentialist, that question. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think if I, had the accolade, if I got the accolades of my colleagues, you'd need some sort of reinforcement on a primary level. Yeah, your peers. Um, for me, applause and laughter is enough without the fame and the older i get i realize i'm i didn't realize how ridiculous awards are really because I did, a lot of them are, are, are huge money making schemes award yeah. ceremonies yeah i didn't know that you had to pay to enter your your film yeah you do yeah you know and, and i didn't realize how much money there was at stake you know corporate sponsorship and, and everything so really um yeah i didn't realize that so awards i've kind of think it's nice to get one you know it's nice to be to, to be recognized but um I, I kind of like in the old days all bollocks yeah it's basically all bollocks John yeah. thank you so much for coming on you've been a brilliant guest this is the point where I want to offer you the opportunity to plug anything you want even if it's your Snapchat account okay. your TikTok or anything you've got coming out tell well, my audience where they can see you I, or hear you um, I am I'm just shy of 30,000 followers on Instagram That's I don't work it that often I'm I'm John capital J John Thompson 2 I have a tick. I'm verified. I'm, I'm there. And Who I do is John Thompson one? Do you know, I think it's me, but I got it wrong. And I never worked <laughs> that account. It's like, I've done that before where I've got the first one. And, 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 and I've, it's a new platform and I don't really know what I'm doing. <laughs> and then I've had, I've got, I've got lost down the rabbit hole and I don't know what to do. So, <laughs> so anyway, so I'm but number two. Yeah. But my, my birth date's two. So it's kind of like my lucky number. So right. there's that. Also, we've got a fast show in August. We the full fast show uh, cast are reunited for a documentary. Fantastic! And it's called "Just a Load of Blooming Catchphrases." Yeah. All the original team are in. Uh, with sadly, with the uh, with the noticeable absence of Caroline, who passed away unfortunately, but we're all on there, and uh, that is on UK TV. Fantastic! So that's coming to your screens in the autumn. Oh, that's amazing. Brilliant. Um, well, thanks again, John. Honestly, one of thank my favourite guests. And thank you to you guys for listening to this episode of Almost Famous. Please do press the subscribe button, rate the podcast and leave us a comment too. Find us on Instagram at Almost Famous the Podcast and on Twitter at Pod Almost Famous. Until next time, thanks again for listening. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. 
But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.